0: Good morning, everyone, and welcome back to Grindhouse, where we drink coffee and talk about movies. My name is Sean Tetro and today with my girlfriend and co-host, Leah Diana, we will be winding back the reel to 1980. After the death of his wife and daughter in a car crash, a music professor staying at a long-vacant Seattle mansion is dragged into a decades-old mystery by an inexplicable presence in the mansion's attic in The Changeling. Let's get into it. Within this old house live two residents. One of them is John Russell, composer, professor. The other has been dead for over 70 years.
1: Claire, I'd like to talk to you about the house. you die in this house? How did you die? Whatever it is, is trying desperately to communicate. What is it in that house, Claire? What is it doing? Why is it trying to reach me? It's a hand.
0: John Russell. I'm living in your house. Senator, look. Look, I want to, oh, I want to you show him that.
1: You've got something of the Senator's. He wants it back.
0: why what, what do you want from me?
1: Many films will frighten
0: you, but only a few can really terrify you. The Changeling, an experience beyond total fear. Spread the word, you dirty cocksuckers. Tell all your grave robbing friends I'm matter of the city now. The nightmare of insane murder from the depths of hell. Oh. Oh. The angel of death. Oh. Only at the house. Welcome back to Grindhouse. We're enjoying Pete's coffee and we're talking movies.
1: Yep, we are.
0: By the way, if you like coffee, you should definitely try Pete's.
1: Definitely. Great
0: flavors, great deals. Just follow, you know, the link down in the show notes that you heard at the beginning.
1: Please, please follow the link.
0: You won't be disappointed. You I'm will just not. Saying.
1: I promise. Do you know why I'm happy?
0: Why are you happy, Leah? They I, can't hear that.
1: They can't? Good, because it's not the bed squeaking. I'm actually in my chair at my desk for the first time in two solid
0: months. <laughs> you're, uh, you're making good progress on your recovery.
1: I am. I was only authorized, what, less than two weeks ago to start kind of putting weight on my foot, and my physical therapist says I've got a lot of movement in my joints. That's because I have EDS. <laughs> <laughs> oh, you'll be walking in no time. I bet you a hundred bucks I won't be walking very well. But yes, we're progressing in this. I've got my own little little scoot-scoot to get me around the house that we had to buy. <laughs> I got a new boot and a new attitude, and I decided 10 minutes before we started recording this episode to destroy my desk. So everything is everywhere.
0: Yay! <laughs>
1: <laughs> but yeah, let's get into this movie. Not what I was expecting.
0: It's kind of what I was expecting.
1: So when I heard of the changeling and I saw the poster, I was thinking of a stupid gimmicky 80s movie. I was expecting going into like a shitty crappy like ABC 1980s Saturday afternoon special movie. Oh no. I was not expecting this level of this was this was a good movie.
0: Yes. So today, as you just said, we watched The Changeling, a 1980 Canadian supernatural psychological horror film
1: oh, Canada.
0: <laughs> directed by Peter Medak and stars George C. Scott, Trish Van Devere, and Melvin Douglas. This movie was originally released March 28th, 1980. It was made on a budget of $6.6 million and brought in a box office of $12 million. So it made its money back and then some.
1: Do you know where George C. Scott is most famously known for in our generation?
0: Well, I most know him from The Exorcist 3, so I'm assuming not that.
1: No, not that. Why would it be The Exorcist? Do I look like an Exorcist 3 type of lady prior to meeting you?
0: I mean... Maybe.
1: No.
0: <laughs> I Chris, like the Exorcist a Christmas theory. Carol. Christmas Carol. A
1: Christmas Carol. I knew him from a Christmas Carol. I knew Mr. Michael Kane from a Muppet Christmas Carol. And I knew Mr. George C. Scott from a Christmas Carol. Okay. Mm-hmm.
0: I don't think I've ever seen that version.
1: I've only seen bits and pieces on, like, at Christmas time. I like a Muppet's Christmas Carol better because, you know. We're Marley and Marley. Woo! I I like the old dudes being the ghosts of his partners.
0: I like the uh, Patrick Stewart version.
1: I've never seen that one. It's very good. Is it? Anything that man touches is is fucking platinum, not gold. Platinum.
0: (laughs) So where do we begin with the changeling? This is definitely not... It's not your average horror experience.
1: It is not, but... I would say it's a typical 1970... I want to call this 1980s because it's, it's, like, it was made in the 70s. This is a very typical 1970s-feeling movie. Oh, for sure. It's slow-paced. It's practical. There's no... There's no ghost.
0: Not one that you physically see. Not one
1: you see. All of it is, like, doors moving, certain objects moving, things happening, noises... There's no like physical boo scary ghost. And there's not a lot of jump scares, but maybe that's just cause like we're a little more desensitized to these like these like easier jump scares. Yeah. But
0: but this is this is the type of thing where it's a slow building dread kind of movie. Mm. Which, as I've said many times, is like my bread and butter. Your cup of
1: tea? That is my coffee?
0: That is my cup of coffee.
1: (laughs) That was terrible. It was. While I'm drinking my pizza today, I'm also drinking a kombucha probiotic drink because my tummy sucks. Sick. <laughs> yeah, I feel like it. Uh-uh.
0: It's uh, it's worth noting that um, Martin Scorsese actually included this on his top 11 scariest horror films of all time.
1: That man's fucking full of shit. I'm sorry. Look, look, Mr. Scorsese, respect. Nothing but respect for you, but you are just a grade-A asshole, in my opinion. The things you say, the things you do, I just, I do, I do not like this man. I You've like- You've never met him. I don't care. I, you might as, not agree with I, his as a red-blooded human, and passing impartial judgment on a man I've never met, and I hate him.
0: Oh, God.
1: Yep. This would not be in my top. It was good. It was good. It was great. I'll save my notes for later, but not not my top and it's purely it's not the story it's purely certain little things in the movie that bothered me that drove me insane
0: i don't know if this would be in my top anything but Mm. i have to say i really did like this movie like this is absolutely my cup of tea this is
1: this is exactly what you like I've read your stories, and they build almost like this to where that last ten minutes of the film is when everything happens.
0: Yeah. Uh, uh, my particular style has obviously been influenced by the things that I enjoy watching. Mm. And, like, this one, it it very much—it's not what I was expecting in terms of, like, I went into this thinking, alright, oh, it's going to be a supernatural, like, ghost story kind of thing, and it is— but it's actually more of a murder mystery than anything else.
1: Yeah, I would say that it's a, like, thriller suspense. And I read something that that uh, List in Canada, I forget what List it is, List this is one of the top horror movies and most influential movies in Canada. And I'm like, top horror?
0: It's really fucking good.
1: Maybe I'm just like,
0: eh. I'm I a- don't
1: I was I think
0: your idea of horror always includes like you expect it to be either super terrifying or gross out.
1: I sus I I expect, I suspect, I suspect, I'm full of shit. <laughs> I expect to be absolutely fucking mind-blown. And not in a way like gore and graphic and nasty. To- I want to be mind fucked. I want to think. There were points in this movie that I was like, oh, okay. Oh, but I have to keep in mind, this is simpler. This is a simpler time. This is only what? 40 years ago? 42 years ago? Oh, God.
0: Yeah. Jesus Christ. But This is this is an, uh, a very intricate story. Like, mm. it is way more in-depth than I expected it, it to be. It is me.
1: very in-depth. Especially, Especially from- Especially the first five minutes. Not expecting that in the first five minutes.
0: Uh, well, no, like, honestly, that was, like, the least of it for me. But but
1: that's... Honestly, it was nice where that connected the whole... Like, everything was connected. Yeah. So, we should get into it instead of keep, like, alluring to, to the details of the film.
0: Well, where do we begin? Are we just going right into a play-by-play at breakdown? At the
1: beginning. We begin at the beginning. <laughs> like all good stories begin.
0: Well, it's worth noting that we... We don't have a physical release of this movie. No, unfortunately we, we do not. We watched it on Shudder. Um, and not yes, sponsored. We,
1: great for horror, great for thriller. Honestly, if you listen to this podcast, not sponsored. Shudder is the way to go. That is the one subscription we won't cancel.
0: We're fishing for a sponsorship. <laughs> Shudder, Shudder please you, sponsor please. this podcast because we love you. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, uh, the version that is available on Shudder is an absolutely beautiful transfer of the film. It, it looks great. It sounds great. Um, as I said before, this movie stars George C. Scott. Um, I fucking love this man in everything he, that he's done. He is such a good actor. Like I only he,
1: know him from this and A Christmas Carol. Now that's uh, it.
0: Well, trust me when I say he he's incredible. He always brings like these little nuances and like these moments where you can really see the character boiling over a lot of the time.
1: It was in this a couple of times, too, which was kind of cool.
0: Yeah, he's really good at it, and I wish he was in more. Maybe. He is in a lot, but...
1: Maybe he is in more that we're just not delving deep. You know, we should look at his filmography and kind of... That's what I've liked about doing this. So, I don't know if we've Ooh. talked about it before, but you and I have. This podcast came about late one night because i was telling sean what movies i haven't seen and sean was like what have you been doing with your life this podcast was at the start an excuse to make us watch more films and i've been very appreciative of that because it has opened my eyes to films that i would have never watched ever especially fucking ticks i'm still mad about it it's been weeks I'm still mad about arachnophobia. Get it's been over nice.
0: the ticks. Get over the spiders.
1: I'm sorry. We live in New England. There's, there are ticks and spiders everywhere.
0: There's going to be more. <laughs> There's always going to be more. I still hate you for it.
1: (sighs) But this podcast has given me a whole new appreciation of movies because I pick ones that I like, you pick ones that you like, and then we mix in, let's try to do these weird ones. And this is week two of our Halloween ones. Yes. Mm.
0: And it's funny because like this came up on a list of like, this is one I hadn't seen. And for like the past decade, I've been meaning to watch it and just never did hmm. and this came up on a list of like absolutely must watch horror movies that have to do with halloween and there's nothing halloween related in this movie
1: i think the poltergeist stuff would probably be halloween
0: no but i'm, I'm saying like the specific search that i did was looking for movies that had either took place on halloween or had to do with Halloween in some form. And this was on there even though it has nothing to do with Halloween.
1: What month was it set in?
0: We have no idea. I don't think they ever say it.
1: I think it's fall. I think it's set in fall. Because there's leaves on the ground. It's raining. They're in Seattle. I Seattle think it starts. Yeah. Or it starts in New York, but they're in Seattle. There's no snow, but I'm convinced that this is a fall movie. So maybe that's why it's on the list?
0: Maybe. I don't know.
1: It falls around Halloween. I put air quotes around the fall.
0: Oh God! All right. So this movie we, it starts us off in upstate New York. It's a snowy landscape. Um, our protagonists yep. and his family are pushing a car through a snowy road to a payphone.
1: A station wagon, if you it, will.
0: It broke down <laughs> um, as he tries to call for emergency services. Another v- another car and like a du- I think it's a dump truck.
1: I think it was a coal truck.
0: Was it a coal truck? I think it was a coal truck. Oh, that's nice. I Isn't like that. Isn't that a
1: nice touch?
0: Okay, so these two other vehicles they get into a collision. It's like the the roads are snowy and icy. They and one car try tries to, to turn around other. and
1: they try to avoid each other. And when the car breaks down, our character John goes to the payphone in the middle of nowhere, cross street, middle of nowhere in the woods, mind you, in the snow. Where the payphone come? from? <laughs> It's just there. It's just there. Don't worry about um, it. His daughter and his wife decide, oh, okay, we're waiting. We'll, we'll have a snowball fight. And as the coal truck comes down and tries to avoid the other car and skids, it fu- fucking flattens the wife and the daughter, completely and killing them instantly. It
0: rips through their car and mows it them just over. mows them down. And we get this really... It's a pretty harsh moment where like he's he sees it about to happen like John sees it and about to happen he's trying to get out of the
1: phone booth and he can't open it and he's like stuck in there and, and-
0: the impact happens and then it just freeze frames on him for our title yep now, before we go too far past the opening, I want to mention that, like, this opening is very quiet and eerie. Yes. There's no score that. You can
1: hear them crunching on the snow under their boots. Like, yeah. that's how quiet it is.
0: The score doesn't come in until after the, like, during the opening credit sequence. So, after the title. Um, and it, it kind of, it's just like, makes you experience this trauma Mm -hmm. with john now we go right into the opening credits after this Uh, we see john is back in the city he's heading home and the song that plays over the opening credits is like this soft like haunting piano arrangement and i think that is a really nice kickoff into the music of this film Mm. because i fell in love with the score for this like, it's literally all comprised of just these elegant, beautiful piano arrangements that fit so well because we very soon learn that John is a composer mm-hmm. and a music teacher. Yep. So, throughout the movie, we watch him playing the piano and it just all flows in together. Like, it. it's really awesome.
1: It makes sound very important in this movie. Very important. But by the end, the piano kind of fades. Like, the music kind of fades for me towards, like, the middle to end where the climax is because the paranormal starts taking over, which the music is still a big connection to it, but I don't know. I was a little disappointed there wasn't more, more music to catch my ear towards the end of it.
0: Well, I think because if you really like if you if you notice the uh the piano stuff starts to drift out when we see we don't see John playing piano as much yeah so like it kind of fades with him as he becomes more involved in this mystery
1: mm.
0: which is kind of cool i like that transition it flows with him yeah um the opening moments of this movie kind of they move a little bit quick so after our title scene, we, we see him returning home, and we learn that it's months later. Um, he We see that his house is all packed up, mm-hmm. and he's kind of just there to make the final arrangements.
1: So my question before we move from this scene, where he's at the apartment. He's in New York City, and there's this whole thing about him going through his daughter's stuff and really kind of feeling the weight of losing his wife and daughter. Why, in any open window... New York City shots, are there always sirens in the background? Every movie we've watched about New York City. Oh.
0: It just adds atmosphere to the, the world. It's the same thing. Like anytime you'll have city stuff, generally, if you're in the city, you're going to hear hawking horns, uh, traffic, sirens, like all the. Because that noise just echoes throughout mm. a city. So they do that to kind of just make the world outside feel lived in.
1: It's just weird because it's always the same siren noises. Well, It's like back in the 60s, 70s, 80s, they probably used a generic one. Now they use different ones. They try to, you know, be a little different. But back then, and I'm I'm like, he's going to look out the window and cue the sirens. Yep, there they are.
0: (laughs) Uh, We have this little moment where the housekeeper comes in and she kind of inadvertently triggers a flashback uh with his daughter and that's where we learn that he's moving to seattle and a lot of the stuff is coming with him we literally jump from that to seattle where he's uh he's sitting with his friends they're catching up he's kind of telling them how he's been how he's been handling everything and we learn that he's looking this is where we learn that he's a composer and a music teacher. And he tells them that he's planning to rent a house so he can fi- have a nice place to work. And they offer to help him find one because the wife works with somebody in the historical society. Mm-hmm. And apparently they usually have older houses that need to be rented.
1: Yeah, if you rent an if you. So older houses, I've always loved this idea where historical societies will rent an older house for it to you. It's most of it's furnished. All they ask is you live in it you keep it up. Sometimes they might have housekeepers. Sometimes they might have maintenance man. But if you leave a house unlived for too long, it becomes decrepit. As long as you live in it and you use it, the house kind of, it's weird because you'll look at a house from like an abandoned house. Like say a house was abandoned in 2010 or 2008 during the crash. You're thinking okay it's 2022 that wasn't that long ago no that house is falling apart it's shit and if you don't live in a house if you don't use it constantly it's weird it just it's like the soul of the house just starts to die
0: without it, people it is a very strange occurrence when you really think about it yeah. it's like it's just an inanimate object it's, it's just, just a building
1: it's four walls and a roof but, but if you think about it if you don't live there like There's no, I'm going into paranormal crap. Brace yourselves, kids. If you don't have that energy, that 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 energy from like living things in a house, it starts to become withered, become old. And this movie showed that when he looked at the house with Claire at the first time when they got there, it looked decrepit, it looked old, but when he started living there, it looked better, it looked livelier, there was sunshine, there was happiness, there was music.
0: Yeah, um, we literally basically jump right to that point, Mm. so like, the next time we see him, he's at the house with... Uh, Claire, Mm -hmm. the lady from the Historical Society, and she's showing him the house. He very quickly agrees that he's going to move in, and we jump to him, basically all moved in, unpacked and everything. Unpacked,
1: living there, and he's got the two housekeepers taking care of the house.
0: Yeah, and we see that he's starting to get his life, his new life, rolling,
1: He seems he's smiling a little bit. Like in the beginning, he wasn't really smiling and it was raining. So it kind of reflected his mood here. It's sunnier. It's happier. It's brighter. It's and he still has moments where there's a whole scene where he's just bawling his eyes out in bed, calling his daughter's name. Yeah. Like you can see that it's it's a normal it's the normal way of grieving. Like when you lose somebody, you know, the first I would say the first month is very hard. It gets slightly easier as you go along. I mean, I know nobody that's completely heartless after losing somebody.
0: No, but time heals all wounds, as they say.
1: Mm-hmm. Time doesn't. Time doesn't heal the wounds that are knowing that I'll never get another Lord of the Rings movie by Peter Jackson.
0: It's time to move on. Yeah.
1: <laughs> yeah.
0: So we see that he starts up his new job. Um, he's. Which is teaching advanced musical composition, I believe he says. Yes.
1: Which he walks into the class and says, Oh, there should only be twenty three of you and there's like a hundred and fifty to two hundred kids sitting in the aisle, standing in the back, sitting on the floor. I'm like,
0: damn And they don't they don't really go into it, but I think it's uh, I think because, he's a bigger
1: composer than the movie lets on. I think he's well, absolutely famous.
0: His friends do say that he's an accomplished composer, Yeah, but like they do it in a joking manner. But I guess that scene is to kind of show you that, no, he really is an accomplished composer. Yeah, he's not he's a just crazy modest. person. Yeah,
1: he's a very like he lost his whole family. I mean, no matter what kind of career you're in, you know, if you lose everyone you love, you're going to be very humbled and be like, well, I might have fame here, but I have nothing here so yeah and it's like okay all right
0: <laughs> and uh we see that he starts he's starting to go out with friends he goes to uh the orchestra
1: mm-hmm, the local orchestra in seattle yeah
0: um and he actually bumps into claire claire there. and her mother yep after that he returns home we kind of transition to the next morning
1: oh he meets um he's we are introduced to the senator
0: Oh yeah, we are introduced to the senator who I honestly thought was going to be a throwaway thing.
1: I really thought that was too, because I'm like, oh why? Oh, he's uh, he's on the board of directors of the Storing Society, um, and then she casually says the house that you're renting belongs to his family, and I'm like, okay, that that's fine. I mean, it's a big house. He's a senator. He can't be there all the time. It makes sense.
0: Yeah, I didn't think that he was going to be as integral to the no, plot as he was
1: because he she says. His last name, very casually, and I didn't even, like, blink it yeah. until later when it goes more in depth. And I'm like, excuse me? <laughs>
0: <laughs> so he goes home after this. The next morning, um, he wakes up to the sounds of loud banging coming from somewhere in the house. Mm-hmm. But we, we kind of brush it aside very fast like honestly it happens, yeah. and then we move on because even
1: the maintenance guy's like it's an old house like you could have been hearing anything and when you're alone and he was grieving at that point like that was the scene where he was grieving so that noise could have been 100 times louder in his head like you're he was in like one hell of a state at that moment so we as the audience kind of went it's weird, but... He is wasn't it inside grieving his- at this moment. He wasn't grieving? No,
0: th- that's later. See, that's, this is the thing with this movie. It jumps around... Like, it jumps ahead in time a lot and progresses very fast.
1: Oh, okay. So, the first time he was downstairs.
0: he. he so, yeah, he was just, I think, in the kitchen. And okay, he heard it.
1: all right. I've, I'm sorry, I was mistaken.
0: No, it's okay. <laughs> um, So, that happens in the morning. We move on and he's working on the piano and then in the background we see the door swing open mm-hmm. and he notices it and we start to hear like whispers speaking to him from somewhere. We very quickly move on from that as well. Yep. The uh, Claire comes to visit him and she brings him some artwork that belongs with the house and they decide to go on a horseback ride together.
1: <laughs> Which she has the riding boots, the ascot, and the hat. He's just in a pair of, like, regular boot blue jeans, and a corduroy jacket. I'm like...
0: Well, you listen here. You're not going to see George C. Scott wearing all that riding gear. He's got to look awesome all the time.
1: (laughs) No matter how much of a badass you are, you're going to get muds on... You're going to get mud on those pretty little blue jeans. That's why you wear the fucking knee-high boots.
0: Ah, he doesn't care.
1: The hat was stupid. When she put on that hat, I was like... (laughs)
0: down the hat oh god um this experience triggers another memory of his daughter and i believe this this experience triggers another memory of his daughter and this is where we cut back to him at home and he's in tears he's sobbing in bed okay all right yep and he starts to hear that banging again and it kind of like brings him out of it and, like, the, I think it's the next day he's talking to the groundskeeper and the groundskeeper checks, like, the boiler. And yep. He, he kind of chalks it up to that. He's like, oh, the, I think he says something like these old houses, like, even boilers and stuff, they develop habits. Yep. Because John is concerned that... He's like, this happened at 6 a.m. precisely. Like, why would that be a thing? So he doesn't really believe that, that it's nothing.
1: Mm. But at the same time, he's not... It's not, like, supernatural to him. He's just kind of like, oh, it's just old house. I want this noise to stop, but whatever. If it can't stop, it's not going to stop. Yeah. So there is a scene prior to all this, and it's a scene where he parks the car in the garage, shuts the car in the garage, and he's walking in the house. There is a blue light on the house. Did you see this blue light? No. It's on the bottom. It's, like, in the corner. All the other lights are warmer kind of white lights. This is a sharp blue light in the corner of the house. And I'm like, did someone leave a light on from the production inside? And they were like, fuck
0: it. Possibly.
1: Because the car pulls up and that blue light's there. And as he's walking, the blue light's there. And I'm like, that is out of place. That was where I was like.
0: I mean, shit happens. Like, it's probably a mistake.
1: But nobody during filming saw that light. I mean, and if that light was meant to be there, it was really kind of dumb.
0: Oh, speaking of the house, do you know that the house seen in this movie in real life doesn't and never actually existed?
1: I was going to ask because at the end, when the climax happens, I'm looking at this house and there's obviously helicopter shots, and I'm like, is that a real house?
0: It is not. Uh, The filmmakers couldn't find a suitable mansion, so at the cost of around $200,000, the production had this Victorian gothic facade attached to the front of a a modern house in Vancouver. Okay. This facade was used for just the exterior shots, Mm -hmm. and then all the interiors were an elaborate group of interconnecting sets. That they built inside of a studio in Vancouver.
1: Damn! So that staircase is a set. All
0: of it's a set. Wow! Well, it looks how, very convincing.
1: That that answers my question on how they did the scene on the banister. Yeah. Okay. Because my other thing was like, did they? They just they were like, oh, we're gonna buy this mansion for two point five million dollars, <laughs> and then fucking ruin it.
0: Yeah. No. Like,
1: <laughs> um. I have a fun fact. You may have this, but I like this fun fact. Did you know that George C. Scott was married five times in his life? And his last wife, his fifth wife. Wife. Wow, I can't talk today. His fifth wife is Claire. Really? Yep. He is married at the time during this movie. He is married to her. They are oh, husband wow. and wife. So I was like, "Oh, hey. That man has a lot of children." <laughs> So many kids. <laughs> with his first wife, I think he had two or three. With the second one, he had two. And with this lady, he had two. So there. And I didn't even look at the other wives. I just kind of skipped because I was like, "Oh, Teresa Van. Oh, she plays Claire.
0: Nice. I wonder if that's the. Fir- this is the first time they work together.
1: I don't know. I didn't look that deep into it. All hmm. I know is he passed away in 1999. She is still alive. She is 81.
0: Uh actually, let's see. Actress Trish. V- Van Devere and George C. Scott were married to each other in real life. Publicity for the picture stated that they had worked together several times in their eight year marriage. Damn. They, they'd been together in six movies, one for television, and one stage play. So this wasn't their first outing.
1: Wow, working couples. I wonder if we know any
0: working couples. Just one.
1: Really? One? Only one? Who's that? And
0: they're in this room with us.
1: Autumn, who are you married to? Oh, God. Not Vanta. the cats. Vanta, who's your boyfriend? <laughs> <laughs> Autumn's like, fuck you. You
0: know what's cool? George C. Scott learned how to play that piece of uh, that music that he plays for the the room of students. He oh, learned that's how to cool. do that. That's really awesome.
1: He probably didn't want any stunt double. No, just teach me how to do it.
0: That was really cool. That is cool.
1: I've always wanted to learn how to play piano, but my pinkies do because of the EDS. They they have a mind of their own, and that's like a very important. You have to be very graceful. These ones can, I can okay with. Th- these two fucking digits, man. Fuck these two. I know that you're trying to learn
0: piano. I've been slowly trying to teach myself piano for a long time, mm. and it's just something like a side project. I just want to know how to do it.
1: Could that be because you'd like to make your own synth score for a film?
0: Maybe not for a film, but like it would be cool to at least understand like how to do it and maybe do it for like some of my smaller projects. Like it'd be kinda of fun.
1: You know, you could just get a mixer and just do it that way. What? You could just get a mixer, sound mixer and do it that way, rather than use the piano.
0: What the hell are you talking about?
1: What do you mean what the hell am I talking about? Use a synth? Like a synth mixer, like a, a DJ mixer. Get all the sounds and then just group them together. You don't need the piano.
0: You still need the piano. No, you don't
1: need the piano. It's fine.
0: You have no idea how this stuff works, I have do you? No
1: clue. Do I look musically inclined? My favorite <laughs> genre of music is K pop. Actually, there's a lot of cool compositions with K pop. I'm gonna get roasted for that comment.
0: Oh my god. <laughs> anyway. <laughs> Uh, so the the evening after the talking to the groundskeeper about the boiler he's uh, i don't really know what he was doing in this at the start of this scene he's i think he's teaching like a private lesson or something at his house so i
1: think i think that's part of the class you know how he said like oh we'll see who sticks around after the class I think that's him. They, what they'll do is they'll get together. This I know. They'll get together afterwards if they have classes and they'll do projects and they'll learn symphonies together and he'll kind of help them. Okay. Like tutoring almost kind of thing. Like it's not, it's, it's, it's still part of the class. Okay. But I've seen that in other movies and other, other like films. Like it's, what movie is it in? Is it Save the Last Dance?
0: How in the hell would I know that?
1: You like films, so don't give me that.
0: I have seen that, but it was a very long time ago. Oh. I don't remember.
1: Um, how was the cruel intentions? No, there's a scene where the teacher is helping her with the cello, but I don't think that's the same thing. Because he ends up playing with her. Ah! <laughs> Anyways, let's get back to this We'll uh, get to
0: that one eventually. <sighs> Wait,
1: is that in our wheelhouse?
0: Yes. Pretty is- sure. Like it's like 90s. So after this scene with the students, they all leave and he starts to hear noises in the house again. Mm. And he starts wandering through the house. He finds that in the kitchen, the sink is running he turns it off and then he starts to hear voices upstairs. So he goes up to check it out and upstairs he finds a bathtub running. And for a moment, and I was wrong when I took this note because for a moment I thought he saw the form of a woman in the water mm. but I think it was of the boy
1: yeah it was the boy
0: Um, and then it, we quickly move on he goes back to visit uh, Claire at the historical society and he talks to her about what he experienced and while he's there he gets a warning from another woman that works there I don't remember her name the, it began like with a, an
1: H, it was on her
0: Like Helen or something
1: But yeah, it was I she didn't. They didn't like broadcast her name no.
0: Well, t- this woman warns him That uh, something's wrong With the house, that like it can't It doesn't want people There mm. And that we kind of just, we cut to the next day I assume it is, cause he's Leaving the house again and Suddenly one of the small windows upstairs Blows itself out
1: Oh the little red window yeah
0: yeah and the glass falls down and he kind of he sees that it's red glass he looks up and he finds the window so he goes back into the house and he starts looking around trying to find that window and he comes to a closet mm-hmm. obviously there's no windows in a closet so it doesn't really make sense but he quickly discovers like there's a breeze coming from behind the wall. And he rather violently tears this closet apart.
1: Very easily tears (laughs) it apart. Almost like production built it over the door really quickly.
0: They probably did. (laughs) But he basically breaks through this back wall and finds a staircase leading to a little attic space. And in this attic space, it's like it's all cobwebs, but there's a bunch of child's things Mm. and a wheelchair.
1: A very, very small wheelchair, too.
0: A very small wheelchair.
1: Teeny wheelchair.
0: And one of the things he finds in this room is a music box that plays the same melody that he's been composing ever since he moved in.
1: Yep. Which is really, really weird.
0: Which is impossible.
1: Yeah. How could he have known this melody if...
0: He's never heard it before, as he says, Mm. and... He was basically, he was making it up as he went along. And he calls Claire
1: to show her because he's like, I'm not crazy. I have it recorded from this day where I did it. And I just found this music box upstairs and it's the same melody. Yes. Which mind you, they were able to get both of those to play perfectly. Like they were in sync perfectly. And I know movies can kind of manipulate sound. Yeah. But it's still, I
0: thought it was pretty cool. So this, showing Claire this Prompts them to, like, start investigating the previous occupants of the house. Mm. And they find out that a doctor named Bernard lived there with his children. Mm-hmm. Um, And the...
1: With, no, with child.
0: No, no, they the, say that he had a...
1: The lady said he had a son and a daughter. Yeah. But the news had nothing on a son.
0: Oh, okay. Yeah,
1: only because it said survived by... Father and aunts and uncles, but the son was not mentioned anywhere.
0: Oh, okay. okay. That's
1: one thing that tripped me because I was like, "Wait a minute! Shouldn't something about the son be mentioned?" Because obviously, it's a little boy. You yeah. can hear this little boy. But I was like, "Oh, there were two children. Okay, there were two children. But why doesn't? Why isn't it mentioned in the news articles? There were two,
0: right?" And uh, we we also learn in this scene that the the daughter suffered an accident with a she co- was hit a by a truck. coal truck and, which is very similar to how John's daughter died yes um, so we jump back to him at home and he's looking this kind of learning this information has him he's like looking at an album of photos of his daughter mm-hmm. and suddenly he's greeted by her ball which was locked up in a cabinet bouncing down the stairs and rolling into the room
1: yep he then in a dramatic form
0: yes he drives out to a bridge and he throws the ball off and i kind of took that as him trying to
1: let go let
0: go of her yeah so like maybe he maybe he's taking it as a sign of like he's he's holding on to this too much yeah so he he lets go with the ball he comes home and the ball immediately bounces back down, down the, the stairs steps. to his feet.
1: And at that point, you shit yourself and go, uh-oh, something's in my house.
0: Um, he then visits an institution for psychic research, which is mm. a, a very short scene. He basically goes in, talks to an expert who helps him enlist the help of a medium. Mm. And the next scene is like our, it's our seance scene. So the medium comes out to the house... They host the seance slash experiment. He records the whole thing. Mm -hmm. And they're trying to figure out what the entity that he's dealing with wants. Mm. Uh, This scene, for me, I felt like it was really well built up. Like, the tension was really well built throughout the scene. Mm -hmm. Like, it it slowly ramps up. The music ramps up with it. And it all comes together really well. Yeah. Through the medium's connection to the entity, she senses the presence of a child. And at first they're questioning if it's like, the little girl or is not. Is it the yeah. little girl? Did the were you killed by the cold uh, whatever happened with the coal truck? Yeah. But the they find out that this isn't the case. The the medium is like doing these scribbles it's throughout. It's
1: called something writing. I forget what it's what They actually it's use the same called.
0: technique in Insidious.
1: Yeah, it's oh uh, now, I want to know what the heck it's called.
0: Which I absolutely guarantee you, James Wan was.
1: A lot can happen in three years, like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare tri term medical plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years
0: in some states. Learn more at uh1.com. inspired by this scene in this movie for his seance scene in insidious
1: spirit writing
0: spirit writing
1: automatic writing so what you're supposed to do is and i've seen this done before what you're supposed to do is play some like something like white noise or like green noise and like rain or something and you're just supposed to write and if you're somebody who has like spiritual connection or like medium kind of connection you'll start doing the automatic writing and just start writing with entities and I think it's cool I've always wanted to try it but I'm also secretly oh my chair falling apart um, and I'm also, also like secretly terrified of the paranormal
0: but through the spirit reading, they learn that it's not the daughter of the previous owner that they thought it was but it's a boy named Joseph mm-hmm. and he's begging for John's help so, uh, I be- believe it's the next day. He goes back and listens to the recording that he made, and he finds a voice that's answering the questions yeah, that the a medium small is child's asking. child's
1: voice is an- it's answering him back. Yeah, or answering them back.
0: And the hearing this voice triggers a flashback in John's head of what happened to the boy, and you see that his father drowned him in a tub in that room. Mhm. John is comes out of this and he's visibly shaken by the revelation.
1: And one of the revelations you hear is as the father is holding his feet up and it's like a 1900s old like metal tub. The kid is banging uh, rhythmically on the side of the tub to be like get let me out let me go. And John connects, "Oh shit, that's, that's the banging.
0: That's the banging I've been hearing." In his shock, he calls Claire, and in the middle of this phone call, he's like, he's asking her, can you please come? And he passes out from, yep. I believe it's the shock. Yeah. Uh, she comes and he has her listen to the recording, and it affects her in almost the same way. She gets absolutely hysterical. And he, while going over the information in his head, he's he's like all right the boy's name was joseph carmichael and he was he was an orphan that was murdered in this house and kind of in the middle of all this claire is like she's like please stop i don't want to hear this right now and she goes to leave the room and she's greeted by the wheelchair yep is at the top of the stairs at the top of the stairs waiting for them
1: like oh okay that's weird
0: and we cut away from them, and we see the that older lady uh, from the historical society. She's on the phone, and she's warning the senator about their investigation. Yeah,
1: and you're, and then we're sitting here like, what? Why is she warning him? Like, oh, they're investigating the house. They're looking into the house.
0: So that's where we we see. It's like, all right, this guy is involved yeah. somehow.
1: We still don't know why how yet, but you know,
0: and his involvement is probably the most intricate part of this movie, and it's it's so cool that somebody even thought of this.
1: It, like, it tripped me up. I was like, oh, hey! This is, like, a real serious movie.
0: It's fucking deep.
1: Yeah! Deep cut.
0: <laughs> um, so this section of the movie starts to get really quick-paced. Like, there's a lot of information that we very get quickly. hit with very fast. Um, so I'm just gonna kind of say that, like, the investigation turns up a sort of conspiracy where the senator's father murdered his real son and replaced him with an orphan that wasn't crippled
1: (laughs) yep sent him away in 1908 sent him to europe to be rehabilitated because he was crippled because of the war the war pretty much made people, like, not realize that, you know, oh, the, the sun's been gone for a long time, so when the sun came back well, at, at 18... It
0: also limited travel.
1: Yeah, so when the sun came back at 18, he didn't even look the same. He All he had was... All he had was a... Damn it! Fucking freak! I'll put you in the bathroom! Um. All he had was... Um, some sort of identifier. It said that it was him. So no, oh, he had an identifier to prove that he was Joseph Carmichael. Okay, that's that that that's fine. Um, now I'm, my my thing goes from moral of the story: don't kill your kids, guys. Yeah. To the next like thing, which I do not know how we went from investigating the newspapers to digging up somebody's house.
0: I sort of do. (laughs) Okay. So... Part of this whole thing, like, he... We learn, I guess, that Joseph's father murdered him because the actual inheritance of their family fortune was left to Joseph, not to his father. Yes. So, he murdered him and replaced him so that he could have control over everything.
1: Which makes you wonder if the daughter, at this point, really... just accidentally got hit by the coal car did her father kill her because the inheritance was going to the children and not him i don't from the know. grandfather the grandfather didn't leave anything in the will to the father left it to
0: the grandchildren
1: the grandchildren so i think this father was slowly killing off his kids to inherit everything
0: yeah and so through their investigation they they learn all this information they also learned that I'm. This part I'm not. I don't have exact details, but I know that they learned that the body was buried in a well, mm. and the well was located on a specific plot of land where a house now stands. Yes. So they essentially had to. They had to go to this lady's house. And I don't know her first name, but it begins with an E and her last name was Gray. And the only thing I could think of was Earl Earl Gray. Gray. (laughs) But they essentially have to go to her house and convince her to let them see if the body is in that well. Yes. And we learn that that woman's daughter has started recently experiencing nightmares of a young boy trying to come up out of the floor. Which, which is it, like,
1: um, Which is pretty cool.
0: Um, so she doesn't take much convincing. Like, it, she says she has to think about it, and then her daughter has another nightmare, so they, she allows it.
1: Which, at that scene where they're finally getting under there, daughter's floorboard, an inch top of well.
0: They just, they, just they, quick, they just quickly covered it they over. They
1: quickly threw a house on did, top of this. They
0: filled, filled it in.
1: They did fill the well in, which I'm very proud of them. But then they just slapped a couple of board, floorboards on top of a well.
0: They actually used to do that stuff. What the fuck, people? Like there, are, uh, there are instances where people actually had in their basements well. Like, it was just a well. Yep. Because they never filled it in. They just built over it. Like, it, it's happened before.
1: Can you imagine, like, a kid playing where the floor just gives out. explosion you're now shit. in 400-year-old water. <laughs> Good lord!
0: Um, but they they tear open her floor. They start excavating. They find the well. They the well has been filled in, so they they're actually digging. Yeah, they have it. to get all that. We kind of jump ahead to like this being already in the process, but they end up unearthing the skeleton of the boy. Yep. They call the police, uh, <laughs> but when the police get there and take away the body. John decides not to tell them who the boy is.
1: Yes. And he kept that. And the other thing he kept was in the flashbacks of the little boy drowning, little boy was wearing a pendant, a baptismal pendant that said where he was baptized, his name in the year he was baptized 1900. And he did not tell them that that would have been the key identifying marker. Like if he was buried in there with that, you knew who that person was. Yeah. Because he wanted to figure something out first, which he wanted to go to the senator. The senator's name, it's already been figured out at this point.
0: Yes, but he did. Uh, so he withholds the information, not because he wanted to figure something out because they, they didn't find the pendant right away. Yeah. So he knew that if they didn't have that. They don't have proof. They, yeah, they wouldn't have had any proof. And then, so, like, later on, he goes back after, like, the police have left and everything. He breaks into the house, and he goes back into the well to find the pendant.
1: And he- the pendant mysteriously wriggles itself up from the dirt.
0: Yes, it presents itself to him. And because he found it later, he had no way way to prove that he found it in the same spot.
1: Yes, It would look very suspicious.
0: So he then kind of has to figure out another way to reveal this information.
1: So he reveals it the only way he knows how. By being crazy hysterical (laughs) at an airport and running up to the senator with the pendant in his hand going, I know what happened. I know who you are. And the senator's like, what the fuck is happening? But he realizes something's up because he's like, I'm the only one that's supposed to have that. Yes. And then you realize what the senator's name is. Now, that's when I realized, I'm like, oh, shit, his name is Joseph Mc- McAllister?
0: No. no I already forgot his last name. McCain? It's something. John
1: Cena! No. Burr, 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 burr. What? I kind don't of <laughs> <else?
0: laughs> <laughs> uh,
1: My note for that was, that was not smart to show up at the airport, you dumbass. No.
0: So, we do see that this whole little interaction at the airport does startle the senator a little bit because he reaches out to the police specifically oh, an d-
1: investigator named DeWitt
0: yes Captain DeWitt Yep. Um, and the next thing we see John returns home the spirit is very pissed like oh it's, he is
1: fucking pissed every door in the house so yes. nice.
0: slamming doors in the house like why
1: you, did you just do that
0: Um, And John is getting frustrated because he doesn't know how else to help him.
1: This is when I realized something.
0: What did you realize?
1: I realized why this movie is called Changeling. Here's the definition of changelings in Irish folklore. Changelings were fairies who had been left in place of a human child or baby who had been stolen by the fairies. The father stole his son's life. And replaced him with an orphan. Yeah. You already knew that? Yeah. Did I asked you why this is called changeling? You didn't tell me.
0: I hadn't seen the movie, but I knew what was happening when it, like, I have know, know what changelings are. So oh, that
1: was a cool fact. You can't be like, wow, Leah, that's awesome. It is a cool
0: fact. And I'm sure there's a lot of people, like anybody listening, there might be a lot of them that didn't know that.
1: He makes me feel like garbage sometimes. Trash. Utter smelly trash.
0: That's because I'm a piece of shit and I want you to feel as bad as I do.
1: (laughs) (laughs) We're going to have words when this is over. More than one. But yeah,
0: that's why at the end of the film that it's him calling him that is so...
1: Wait, he calls him a changeling? When?
0: Yeah, we'll get to it. Okay. It's coming up pretty quick. But... So, we also see right after... The scene when John gets home is like the senator starts is pulling every card up his sleeve. Yep. The Historical Society cancels John's lease.
1: And fires Claire. Fires
0: Claire. Basically, they force her to resign. Yep. Um, and Captain DeWitt arrives at the house and to talk Basically to
1: Basically threatening him.
0: He's threatening him into dropping everything and giving him the medallion. Yep. Which obviously John refuses to do because he's, you know, a righteous man.
1: I rolled my eyes. But this is where it's funny. This is where I laugh.
0: So, Captain DeWitt leaves... And
1: John has, like, a premonition?
0: He has, like, a vision of him dead.
1: Yeah. But he has a vision of him dead where, like, something, like, glass gets embedded into his neck.
0: Yeah. Because the mirror, like, breaks and it explodes.
1: And then all of a sudden Claire calls him and he's like, hey, what's up? And she's like, oh my god, if I didn't know, if I didn't recognize him, I wouldn't know who he is. And I was like, what's happened? He goes... He just crashed in the middle of the road. Dewitt is dead, and I'm like, so you're telling me the senator called Dewitt? He went to the house, berated him, then dies in the car crash. Fuck this house! <laughs> I don't want this house no more.
0: Uh, quickly after the senator is informed of what happened, and he's uh, he sets up a meeting with John. Yep. And this is kind of like the big like confrontation of the the climax here. So John, go goes out to his house and confronts him with the truth
1: now i'm a little upset with john because john goes at this a little more aggressive and like poking fingers at the senator but if you think about it the senator is kind of an innocent party in this he has no idea what he's has not happened innocent he's not no oh i thought he didn't know anything
0: no he he knew about all of this and was I complicit. I didn't know that.
1: Oh, he was okay with all of it.
0: Not... I don't think he was okay Because judging, he freaked
1: out. He said, my father's not a murderer.
0: But I, I think he knew... Like, he knew that he wasn't his real son. Yeah. I don't think he knew what he did to his actual son. Okay, but, that's
1: where that's where I was a little... When he was like, he killed his son and picked up an orphan and replaced his son with you. And I was just like... I would have, I would have been like, you've known that something's wrong... Like I would have been a little eased back on it but I think he went too aggressive and it shocked the senator too much and maybe that's what happened
0: well <laughs> so he he confronts him with the truth he presents all the evidence to him and the senator immediately thinks he's blackmailing him And he's like
1: okay how much do you want he's like I don't he's want like,
0: money I don't want anything he gi- gives him the information he gives him the pendant yep. he gives him the only recording of the seance
1: and says and here, do what says, you want.
0: Here, I've given you the truth. You do what you will, which I I think is a really it's a really strong moment. And this is the scene where he calls him a changeling. He, he basically tells him like, this is what happened. Your father murdered your his his actual son. He replaced him with you. Like you're the changeling. You could see that it visibly shakes the senator. Like it yeah. it hurts him to hear all this, and he. Threatens him one more time, and he's like, If you breathe a word to this to anybody ever, I will destroy you.
1: And then, once he has his hands on the real Joseph's pendant, Joseph gives him one hell of a vision of how he dies.
0: Right. But there's a few things before this. Yeah. So Claire shows up back at the house. Oh, I
1: forgot about this part, the spoopy part.
0: She starts to get accosted by the spirit. Like, she gets actually. She makes her way up to the hidden room, hearing John's voice. And she gets, gets attacked by the wheelchair, chased <laughs>
1: down by a six-year-old's wheelchair from
0: 1900. Um, John gets back home, finds her hysterical,
1: gets her out of the house. Gets
0: her out of the house, but he goes back in to confront Joseph's spirit. Yeah, and Joseph starts basically tearing the house apart. He's uh, there's, like this, like this ethereal wind going through everything so
1: my question we see the scene where he's watching all of this happen and he's watching the senator walk up the stairs and then the stairs shatter
0: so hang on we gotta get to that
1: (laughs) but that's part of this whole scene it is
0: but we're not there yet so killing
1: me i have questions
0: joseph he's tearing the house apart he basically throws john down the stairs through the railing Um, oh he lights the railing on fire
1: very much like a pyrotechnic company would perfectly yes, light the stairs on fire
0: which causes the house to start burning down yes while john is like he's slowly, he's not slowly losing coming consciousness to, like he's kind
1: of like oh, okay i'm not unless I'm disoriented
0: yeah we cut over to the senator and this is where he's like holding both of the pendants and he he throws away the fake one and he's like starts staring at the real one and you you see that like something is taking hold of him yeah so when we cut back to John in the house, the senator suddenly is there.
1: I'm like, how the hell did he get there that fast?
0: And he's being, it's like he's being led up to the hidden room as if he's possessed. Yeah. And the house is just burning down around him throughout all of this. And now,
1: was John walking him up, w- watching him walk up those stairs? Yes. Okay. All right. That, that, that last scene makes sense now. Okay.
0: So the senator walks up all the way to the hidden room and sees a vision of his father murdering the real Joseph. Yep. And in this moment, we're not sure what, to, what we're seeing exactly until we cut back and see that the senator is just in his office having a vision of all of this, mm-hmm. and that vision induces a heart attack, and he dies.
1: Yes. Which you're thinking, oh, Joseph got his wish. Everybody connected to this is dead.
0: And the last things we see in this movie are the house burns to rubble. Yep. And what's left are the ashes of the structure, the skeleton of the wheelchair, and the music box, which opens itself and begins playing.
1: It's like Joseph is
0: still there.
1: How'd revenge feel, Joseph? Not good. (laughs) Not good, Joseph.
0: But that's the end of the film. We end- I, I. How did you interpret that ending?
1: The ending? That something's not finished. That even though the deeds of the father and the house and everything, like, the whole story's gone. It's buried. There's nothing you can do about it now. Like, it's gone. My interpretation is revenge does not solve anything, and that is going to be an angry little boy forever That's that was my interpretation
0: I don't think that's a bad one like
1: no my, like Claire and John are scarred permanently John lost everything in that fire because all of his stuff was there everything yes. John has lost everything his composed work all the stuff he was doing but John figured out this 70 year old mystery and John's like okay you know maybe Joseph will be at peace he's, he's not revenge never solves anything even for dead people okay What did did you get out of it?
0: I don't think it was meant to be a, like, that something is left unfinished. I I don't think it was meant that way, though though that is kind of how it comes off. Mm. I think that it was just supposed to be this closing note where, like, Joseph could finally rest. Like, it was kind of him just, his send-off was to play that music one more time yeah uh, i don't really think it was there wasn't anything left to where you could kind of continue this story like what else could he have wanted yeah beyond getting revenge
1: i don't know i see it the other way
0: did you know that the movie was based on real events what yeah the uh the movie's based on a bench which supposedly took place at Henry Treat Rogers Mansion in Denver, Colorado.
1: What? Everything happens in Colorado, man.
0: Um, while writer Russell Hunter was living. Oh, while writer Russell Hunter was living there during the 1960s. Oh, wow. They even list the actual address here. Really? Yep. Yeah, uh, the. Henry Treat Rogers Mansion, which is located at 1739 East 13th Avenue, Cheeseman Park in Denver, Colorado. The house has since been demolished. Oh, wow. But apparently, yeah, this this story supposedly actually took place.
1: That's kind of terrifying.
0: We'll never know if that's, you know, real. Wait,
1: what was the name of the street that they live off to? Wasn't it Cheeseman?
0: Yeah, the... Uh, cheeseman park neighborhood in the movie is a reference to the actual
1: that's kind of cool yeah well i'm gonna look i'm gonna read all that shit later (laughs) i like i like ghost stories
0: so one thing i didn't mention when i wanted to mention it Mm. which my bad uh the so i wanted to talk about this when we were when we got to the part where he actually discovers the hidden room okay I believe that that was supposed to be a disappointments room. And I don't know if you know what a disappointments room is. <laughs> ah, ha, ha. Ah. Shut the fuck up. <laughs> no, a uh, a disappointments room is actually a thing that... It used to be a thing in these old, like, Victorian houses um, and mansions and stuff. It There were most... Mostly wealthy families had them, and mm. they were they were an absolutely abysmal thing. But uh, essentially, a disappointment room would be a hidden room in a house in a mansion mm. where, if you had a child that was sick, that, that had like some kind of disease, or they were handicapped, or they were deformed, or they had some type of ailment that made them appalling to society and a, essentially a, uh, a disappointment to the family. To the family lineage. To the line.
1: So I wasn't wrong.
0: They would be hidden in this room and they were never allowed to leave. And they were just kept locked in this room and nobody would were to ever know about their existence.
1: I don't know what's worse. That or being sent to an insane asylum. <laughs>
0: It's well, at least in, a, in an insane asylum, you could interact with other people.
1: Uh, I don't know, Waverly Hills.
0: Well, but yeah, this very much seems like that to me. Like it, I hate that this is a real thing that actually exists. People have who have bought old mansions and old houses have found these rooms.
1: They're just boarded up like this. Boarded
0: up, locked away. They would, they would sti- leave
1: kids to die. They
0: wouldn't really, or look give like, them
1: the minimum, bare minimum, like here's some food, the here's a yeah. bath.
0: Yeah, they would still take care of them to some degree, or they'd have like a, a maid or a servant take care of them. But yeah, this is a real thing, and it's fucking awful. That I don't
1: it, want a Victorian house now.
0: I want one, but
1: <laughs> uh, if we find a disappointment room, um, no. <laughs>
0: Burn it you're, down. You're, you're, <laughs> Burn it all down.
1: You're going through it. You're doing all that. Yeah. I would be crying in the corner too hard. <laughs> because I'm a little bitch.
0: I... Yeah, th- this very much seemed like that to me. There's actually a whole... There's a movie called The Disappointments Room that came out not that long ago. It was like early 2000s or mid... Two, I don't know. It stars Kate Beckinsale. It's not a very good movie. But... Uh, yeah. It... it a real thing that i'm surprised they actually used in this movie it's pretty cool
1: oh my god it's on netflix I'm gonna watch it.
0: oh sick let's oh jump right god. into that
1: this is horrible
0: it's very horrible but it's real stop doing research we're recording
1: <laughs> shut up
0: um something else i'd like to mention is like i i thought the camera work throughout this movie was beautiful
1: I didn't notice the camera work.
0: That makes me sad.
1: The sound was wonky and kind of aggravated me at times. Well... Uh, and the lighting was, like, especially when he was looking for the room, the lighting annoyed me.
0: There were very few static shots in the film. Okay. Like, most of the time, the camera was always moving. It was always on a dolly. It's it was fluid. Mm-hmm. It was gliding. It was... Taking us through the rooms or through the scenes like it was very gentle it was never like super abrasive until the very end of the movie where you had that like wheelchair chase scene Mm. but (laughs) um it's a very well presented movie like they they took a lot of care into making it visually appealing okay Do you have any other things you want to talk about before we get into closing?
1: Nope, I am ready for closings.
0: Okay. Overall thoughts?
1: It was a decent movie. I liked it. It wasn't something that was like knock my socks off amazing. But, um, yeah. it It was decent. I didn't notice the score. I didn't notice the camera work. Actors were pretty decent. Um the costume and the hair kind of i love that stuff with the old bouffant hair hairstyles and the the uh the period clothing obviously it wouldn't have been period then but now it is but yeah i, I don't think i liked this movie as much as, i liked it but i don't think i liked it anywhere near you, how much you did
0: were you paying attention
1: i was paying attention <laughs> It just wasn't... You
0: you didn't notice how it looked. You didn't notice the sound. Like,
1: come on. This movie didn't hold on to me very well. Like, I got bored halfway through. (sighs) Face it, Tetro. Some movies I just don't like.
0: Well, I absolutely loved this movie. I thought the experience was great. It built tension and dread really well. Like, it was slow burn. It was... But it was at the same time, it was intricate and it like built into a very cool murder mystery. Mm. Did you have any favorites?
1: What do you want for me? <laughs> so, George you- C.
0: Scott's Freak Out. Okay. Yes, I
1: like his Freak Out. <laughs> um, I like the how it started off about a grieving dad and wove into a murder mystery where. He had something to kind of drive him, to stray him away from his grief, was to figure out how to deal with someone else's grief. I thought that was pretty cool.
0: Yeah, that that theme of grief uh, weaves very well throughout this story. Very well, yeah. Um, I think my favorite for the movie would be... I really like the seance scene. Mm. I like the the way that that builds to a very tense point and alleviates really well. Uh, Actually, during the seance scene, there's a moment where they start talking to Joseph. It's like right after they reveal that it's Joseph. Mm. And they cut over to this handheld shot it's moving around the staircase and down towards where the séance is.
1: Oh yeah, yep. And
0: it's very clearly supposed to be that's Joseph's point of view as he's coming child, to yeah. join the conversation. Yep. It's. I really and liked that. And that's where
1: they start getting the responses from him.
0: Yeah. Like I thought that was a really cool way to like bring the yep. entity to the. When I say sounds. the
1: responses I mean he's getting the responses on the recorder not through the the uh, automatic writing.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. I also like that the film implements slow motion. Like it, they use it but it's only at points where it would have the greatest impact.
1: I didn't notice the slow-mo.
0: So there's slow motion at the very beginning when the accident happens. Okay. So like that whole sequence basically once the cars show up is in slow motion.
1: Oh, it seemed normal motion to me.
0: Nope, that's all in slow motion. And then there's slow motion when there's another moment. I, I want to say it's during the seance, but I might be wrong there. There's slow motion with the ball as it comes down the stairs. That's slowed down. Okay. The There's slow motion when the mirror explodes when he has the vision.
1: Mm.
0: And there's slow motion oh, there's slow motion at the end when he's trying to go up the stairs and like the house is starting to fall apart. Like when the wind kinda hits him and knocks him through the railing. That's in slow motion.
1: Didn't notice any of it.
0: Yep, there's slow motion. Okay. Just and it they only use it in those like big moments.
1: Was I paying attention? To I, this don't
0: movie? You <laughs> I don't know if you were. I don't
1: know if I was either now. Man, apparently I hated this movie.
0: <laughs> God. So I take it I know the answer to this for you. Does it work?
1: I guess it does. Like, I, I don't want to say no, it doesn't work. It's terrible. Because it was still, like, picture this. Sicily, 1912. No. Picture this. It's a Saturday afternoon. It's raining. You have pot of soup on the, on the stove. You just clean the whole house. You got candles lit. You're putting on a movie for the day to watch. You put this on. Oh, you got to do a couple other things. It's that type of movie for me. I want to put something like spoopy on, but not something I have to pay attention to. Not something too scary. That's what type of movie this is. So I don't hate this movie.
0: Which is funny because you kind of have to pay attention to this movie.
1: (laughs) That's why I missed half of the things. But to me, I hate putting it this way. But in my mind, this movie doesn't have a significant importance to me like story-wise to grasp me enough to pay attention to it but I still like the fact that I can put it on I like this type of movie I don't know it's just weird it's some people will understand you have those movies that you put on September October November during those months we don't fuck with Christmas in this house so I don't watch Christmas movies so these type of movies play all the time but it's that type of movie like okay I want to relax I don't want to watch a series I don't want to start something I want to pay attention I want to put something on if I need to do other stuff I don't hate it. I don't love it. I'll probably revisit it at some point, maybe. While I'm eating soup in October when it's rainy. After I've cleaned the house.
0: Alright, well, this this movie does work for me. I, I think the, the the horror of it all, the suspense and the, the building dread and tension and all that works. I think the mystery element works really well, because... I had no idea where they were going with this until it got there. Hmm. I... And, you know, on that note, I would recommend it.
1: I would say I will recommend this movie. Like, it's not a movie that I'm like, oh, no, I just uh, don't watch this. No. And honestly, I feel like unless it's a really shitty movie for the two of us, we'll probably recommend a lot of movies that we watch. Yeah. Only because... This is still a pretty decent movie. Other people might be like, what's wrong with you? You're fucking crazy. This is a great movie. Like, you kind of are with your eyes to me. Like, why do you hate this movie? What is wrong with you? Why didn't you pay attention? But that's just me. That's my personality. I would recommend this. I would. I recommend this for people who like murder mystery type things. That like that there's not a lot of horror, but it's still horror-esque. Like, if you don't like Jumpstairs, if you don't like gore, if you don't like any of that crazy stuff, but you want just, like, a basic little murder mystery movie, this is perfect.
0: Yeah, I think, uh, I don't necessarily recommend this for anybody in particular. Yeah. Like, I think as long as you don't mind that it's a little bit slower paced, I think almost anybody could enjoy this. Mm. Like, I think it's pretty, it's a pretty solid movie. Overall, feels a little long. At I was going to
1: say there are some moments where I'm like, eh, it's a little long, but not too long for me to go, ugh, turn it off. It's just sometimes I'm like, this seems playing out a little bit longer than I'd like it to. But it never felt like the movie was like, ugh. <laughs> How
0: would you make this today?
1: I don't think I would. I think I think if people remade this today, they would ruin what this movie is. They would make it bloody. They would make it gory. They would turn this into like a 13 ghosts kind of thing.
0: I think if people made this today, it would be the disappointments room.
1: <laughs> Which was a disappointment oh, it's as a I'm a fucking reading.
0: massive disappointment.
1: <laughs> Which I kind of want to see that movie for how bad it is.
0: Uh it's it's rough. It's not good. You watched it? Yeah. <laughs>
1: Yeah,
0: I'd like, like that
1: 100. Uh, I'd like that hour and 28 minutes of my life back. Thank I watched
0: you. it back when it came out. It's not, not, it's not very good.
1: <laughs> <laughs>
0: so is this mainstream exploitation or other?
1: If I'm thinking, okay, so I have to ask: Are we thinking of when this released or now? You always get me on this. I pick then, and you choose now, and then I pick now, and you choose then.
0: I don't. I think it should just be how you feel about it. Mainstream.
1: I this is mainstream. This is like the 1970s, 1980s that time frame, you had these a lot of these mysteries, a lot of these horror movies, and I think Canada was just trying to like hey, here's our insert into it.
0: It's a fucking pretty strong insert. It's a
1: very strong insert. It is. But it's mainstream. I would say other. Really?
0: Yeah, I don't I don't think this really falls under mainstream horror. I don't think it, it's definitely not exploitation, but yeah, I, th- I think it falls somewhere on the offskirts. Okay. And I think, I think it's a very good film. I, I just don't think it falls under like big blockbuster type horror or anything like that. Okay. It's not like a Conjuring.
1: No, which, holy hell.
0: Though you can see where Conjuring draws inspiration.
1: The Conjuring House is here in Rhode Island for people that listen, people that don't aren't related to us or aren't friends with us. The the Conjuring House is a real farm here in Rhode Island, in northern Rhode Island. I forget if it's in Cumberland, Woonsocket, or somewhere up there. Um, It was owned by somebody who was doing tours. You could stay 24 hours. You could stay the day and night and experience it. It was sold. To what I understand, I may be wrong, her parents bought it. So now that family owns it and she's still doing these tours. It's $300, but they feed you, they put you up, you stay there, you're there all night. I want to do this.
0: $300 for one night?
1: The Conjuring House. I don't care. (laughs) What you say all the time, you want a haunted house.
0: I want one. Do
1: you want to experience what a haunted house is like prior to? Because I've lived in haunted houses. And let me tell you, unless you experience it and you want to live there permanently, we're going to have a haunted house and we're going to die. Yay. No. (laughs) It'll hurt the kitties. They'll be fine. She'll fucking give it a run for its money.
0: All right. I think that brings this discussion on the changeling to an end. Shink. But don't go anywhere just yet. Stay tuned for the coming attractions. Pray raising the dead ain't within my power.
1: be all right should i be afraid it's coming
0: <laughs> looking for an old woman she lives somewhere in the mountains here all she can do is take you straight to hell you go home and you bury your boy some folks say is how she's got powers who are you Kid harley what do you want, Ed Harley? Say You're looking for vengeance. Vengeance. Say There's no graveyard way back deep in the woods. The thing you're looking for is in there. It was an accident.
1: No! No, not
0: like this, not like this. It's gotta run its course. Now it begins. it begins. It begins.
1: So you've seen this movie, and I never have. The only thing I know is the puppet for Pumpkinhead is ridiculous.
0: Yes. To be fair, uh, I haven't seen this in a long time, mm. but I have seen this in the past. I'm always excited to re- watch some Lance Hendrickson action.
1: Lance Hendrickson's in this? Lance
0: Hendrickson's in this. Yeah, oh uh, this is a classic creature feature from, what was it, 80-something? 80 88 I can't, or 89? I can't remember the exact year. 88, I think. Funny thing is that my sister actually... Is excited for us to do this movie.
1: What, what really?
0: Sort of. <laughs> See, a while back I got a message from her saying, You should do Pumpkinhead. But I think she meant Pumpkinhead 2. Because she grew up, we grew up watching that movie. Yeah. Like, I've, I've seen Pumpkinhead 2 more, more times than I've seen this one. But she always just says Pumpkinhead. I think she assumed I would know if she meant the second one. Mm. but we can't do the second one just yet I didn't want to skip right to that one no oh, we
1: have to do the first one first
0: Pu- pumpkinhead one is a pretty iconic movie and we can't just skip over it yeah I uh, I'm pretty excited to watch this one again like like I said it has it's been a long time since I've seen it and I'd really like to revisit it with an adult eye so last time I saw this I think I was a lot younger.
1: You know, there's a re- reboot coming.
0: Well, there's also several like direct to video sequels. Yeah, is... there's
1: there's Ashes to Ashes and Blood Feud, which yeah. is 06 and 07.
0: I heard they're both.
1: This is a reboot of the series in the works produced by the Saw executive producer Peter Block, Nate Adkins to write the script. As of November 2021, Paramount Players has the skip script. And the announcement for who is going to be cast will be coming soon.
0: Oh, boy.
1: Unless they use this ridiculous fucking animatronic practical puppet. I don't want to say it.
0: Oh, God. If it's CGI, I'm fucking throwing it out the window.
1: Also, um, Etsy has a full life scale for $7,500 if you want him. I would love it. Look at him.
0: I would love it. <laughs> I would love it, but I don't have that money.
1: Dude, that's all of our money. <laughs> yeah, that's everything. I'm excited to watch this. This is one of the another one of those horror movies that I've always been terrified of watching.
0: I don't think uh, I, I think you're going to be a little disappointed in that regard. Like I don't think it's going to be terrifying to you. It's an I mean, '80s creature feature. I mean,
1: maybe I'll love it like I love Hellraiser.
0: Maybe it's always a possibility. But with that, we're going to bring this episode to a close. If you want to keep up on everything that we're doing, follow us on Facebook and Instagram at Grindhouse Podcast. We're on Twitter at Grindhouse Cast. You can find us on Discord where you can chat with Leah about this movie or anything you want. Anything. You can suggest us some other movies. Mm -hmm. She'll tell you if we're willing to watch them or not.
1: (laughs) Nine times out of ten, he's willing. I'm not.
0: All the links for everything are going to be down in the description. Listen to us, give us a rating on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, or wherever you get your morning fix. New episodes come out first thing every Monday morning. If you like what we're doing and you want to show us some support, you can do that directly through Acast. We also have a Patreon. We have a variety of tier levels on both where you can get some cool rewards like ad-free listening or some upcoming special episodes just for our supporters. Yeah. Yeah. Until next week, I'm Sean. I'm Leah. Thanks for listening, and keep watching.
1: It's back, baby.